Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Questioning a better way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. Uh, today's a good day. It is Monday. I have a wonderful, I, I can call you a friend now, I think, Jason, right? Um, Please. A friend of a friend, uh, my dear friend and CrossFit sister, Rhonda Kelly, introduced me to Jason. He is a phenomenal human being, and I'm excited to uh, let him share his background and what he's getting into and today we're we're taking a, a kind of a weird turn, which we're we're talking about the upside of the downside, and that that might not make sense, but we're going to embrace it. We were having a, a conversation we met in person. I felt like we could have talked and talked for hours, and we had literally just met that day. But we were talking about kind of the juxtaposition of some things, um, starting with white privilege and some other stuff, and it was very thought provoking. So I wanted to unpack that with Jason. But before we do that, Jason, welcome. Thank uh, you. Yes. Thank you. I'm but, glad to be here. Yes. I, I know it's exciting to connect, uh, even though we are digitally connecting. And I always like to do these in person. But tell right. us about your background. So, um, again, thank you for having me. Um, first and foremost, um, again, my name is Jason Hopkins. Um, and my work is primarily focused on um, helping individuals that are struggling with mental health. Um, how do we meet people where they are, do things like that. So um, I have, for the last five or six years, been the president and CEO of the National Alliance on Mental Illness for Arapahoe Douglas Counties. Um, we call it NAMI ADCO. Um, in that work, we offer support, education, and outreach programs to individuals and loved ones that are struggling um, with mental health, specifically, um, most often with their family members who may need some additional support. We do lots of support groups throughout the community. Um, and in doing that work, I really had... Um, started seeing that we weren't really moving the needle on on were we meeting more people, were the rates of anything that we were serving coming down, and and statistically speaking, um, everything that we focus on we see going up, and it's not just in our organizations, it's um, across the mental health community, um, whether it's you know depression, anxiety rates, suicide rates. Um, substance use disorders, et cetera. Um, all of those things have really not even stabilized, but continue to increase. Um, so in part of our strategic planning at NAMI ADCO, um, oh gosh, three years ago now, we started looking at how is there a way that we can better meet people where they are? Um, and from that place, I think what I had observed is mental health is not something that people um, normally just plan to start talking about. Normally it has to hit their homes, something bad happens, a crisis, um, could be the death of a loved one, the loss of a pet, a job loss, relationship loss, et cetera, et cetera. You know, none of us are immune to being in a in a critical place at some point mentally. Um, and the things that we started looking at as we explored that was realizing that, you know, having an organization that has mental illness in the name is um, an obstacle that a lot of people don't want to get involved with because from, from the stigma perspective, it just doesn't appeal to them. Um, so we really started looking at, okay, what are the things that we see people will talk about kind of universally? And the one word that really popped to the surface from that place was stress. Stress is something that we'll use, um, you know, almost like a badge of honor many times across many different um, demographics, age ranges, et cetera, um, to really describe how we're feeling. And I think what we've learned as we peel that back is stress can be a moniker for depression, anxiety, um, struggling with substances, et cetera. I mean, you know, like I said, we wear that like a badge of honor. I think a lot of times we talk to people and, oh, I'm so stressed or I'm so busy. Um, and I think that in somehow val in some way validates um, our existence for many people, um, and it just it to me is not a good replacement for the things that we're actually struggling with. So from that place, we really wanted to build upon and look at okay, if we know people will talk about stress, what are the next things we know they'll talk about? And what we landed on, you know, loosely based on the five elements of well-being, is we know people will talk about their health, which we believe includes physical and mental health. We know they'll talk about their job. We know they'll talk about their money, and we know that they'll talk about their tribe. And we use that word tribe very broadly in its definition in that um, tribe is who your people are, who you identify with as your people. Could be your family, could be your work community, extracurricular social activities, 
who your people are. That's how we define tribe. Um, so from that place of blending all of that together, we formed an organization a couple of years ago now called the Connection Project. Um, the Connection Project is an organization that really in its purpose is to better connect us to ourselves and others. That's, that's our mission. Um, again, pretty broad, but from that place, we do this tribe-focused work that really is about bringing people together um, from the beginning, being able to to lower a boundary that that keeps people connecting. If if you identify yourself with the tribe that we're serving, you're immediately going to feel part of that community. And then from that place, really offer people resources that can help them. Um, I want to be clear in doing the mental health work that I've done for so long in a nonprofit. Um, I see a lot of nonprofits, and again, not a criticism as a as a disclaimer. Uh, a lot of non nonprofits approach their work from this place of it's our job to fix you. I'm not that guy that believes it's my job to fix you. It's your job to fix you. What I believe my job is in the work that we're doing to support is to A, let you know you're not alone and B, to connect you with resources that can help. Um, I think historically, when we help people get connected to resources, um, we'll give them a list of 50 things that they could try or do or call or reach out to. And the likelihood of people doing anything from that place is pretty low. So we try to take our four categories, health, job, money, and tribe, um, and connect people with two or three, maybe four resources in each of those categories. And you identify if there are things in those categories that you would be willing to take action on and really build upon helping yourself. Because I think ultimately, um, the onus for all of us is to inspire, empower people to help themselves. Yeah. Um, and, and man, we could have so many podcasts even off this conversation, but it's, you know, Jason and I met about three weeks or a month ago and it was prior to all of this coronavirus really kicking in and shifting our now normal, um, into what it is. And so I, I think this conversation is probably more relevant now than it was even three weeks, three, four weeks ago when we're talking about connection and how we connect with people. And even before we get into the depths of mental health and wellness and the deeper conversations, just simply how do we stay connected, uh, even outside of digitally with, with people right now, particularly if you're going through a tough time, even prior to CV-19. So I think this is uh, a really important conversation and um, a major, hopefully an, an important conversation right now, but an even more relevant, less stigmatized conversation moving forward, because I think we need to be more diligent about reaching out and connecting now that we literally can't physically connect. Right. Um, <clears throat> how how immediately has you know the past three four weeks with the CV nineteen taking off impacted the connection project? Have you guys shifted major initiatives? You know, we had several initiatives that were in the work. So again, I mentioned earlier, our work is tribe focused. So from a tribe perspective, we've done series with men. We've done series with emergency responders. Um, we've done series with teens. We've had great success in those sort of tribe focused initiatives. Um, we're working on a series currently for vets and service members. Um, we're looking at our emergency responder series to include frontline healthcare workers. Um, we're working on a series for LGBTQ plus community. We're working on a series for aging adults. So really, all of the things that we were working on are still kind of in the works. What is slowed down is getting the commitments from sponsors and people that want to be involved to align their businesses with our initiatives. That has definitely pulled back and slowed down. But I don't think that there is necessarily a contraction in the need for the work. Um, I've actually been in talks with a couple of our media companies about how do we expand this work? Who are the businesses during this time that really want to align their brand with what we're doing um, to focus on letting people know that, that you're not alone and that we're here to help? Um, and, and I'm seeing some great opportunity from that. Now, now I don't want to dismiss the fact that there are things that are contracting, but to your point, um, I think we have a responsibility now more than ever to help people feel like um, they're not socially isolated. Um, the things I mentioned earlier that people struggle with, substance use disorders, anxiety, depression, I think all of those are heightened. And in the work I do with regards to mental health through NAMI, um, you know, we're also seeing a huge increase in domestic violence, um, you know, anger, things like that, people being isolated at home, parents having to homeschool their kids. Um, you know, none of us were prepared to be in the situation that we're in, which I think is what makes this so timely. But I think that, that the opportunity we have to talk about today is how do we continue to foster and build connection in these times? I mean, you and I are at different places in the same city having this conversation. Um, I think that that people can do that and engage in a new and different way. Um, it's just going to take 
a responsibility for all of us to do so, but I think it's going to take people like you and I leading the way to let people know that that there are ways to do this this differently. Right. Well, and I think change is, is really uncomfortable, which <clears throat> as humans, we know that. Uh, but when you're, when push comes to shove and you're forced to change and evolve, I do think it's hard and there's resistance, but if you can be even slightly open-minded, embrace some of these new opportunities and ways to connect or whatever it might be, uh, you see really beautiful things where you're fostering relationships, you see innovation with companies, uh, you see things maybe done a better way than they were done prior. And we never questioned it because it just worked, but now we're in even better space and we didn't see that coming. So I, I think, you know, in, in any point of evolution, there's always that breakdown breakthrough but you have to just keep the faith and be open-minded uh, that you know there's light at the end of the tunnel. And, and we are literally all in this together, whether your business or your family or yourself are impacted personally, um, your neighbor is, and eventually it's going to stem back to you, your account, your health, something. Uh, so we're really, I think, bonded more than ever right now if, if we can really embrace that idea um, and having well, to take care of each other. I agree with you. I think you're spot on. I, I think the thing that's interesting about the the pandemic we are all facing is that we're all in this together. Like this is a great equalizer. Like, you know, we may have different circumstances, but I mean, legitimately, nobody is immune from something happening to them that could be potentially catastrophic and or fatal. Um, so I think that 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 is what's different about this. When you talk about systemic change, though, I think the thing that is different about this, um, and you're spot on and about us, you know, as waymakers kind of leading the way to inspire people to take different action. I think the thing that's really different, though, now is we're wanting people to adapt to a new normal and change and survive and thrive all at once. I think as humans, we don't we don't evolve that quickly. So I think what it's going to take is this continued pulling the thread through of these messages um, around ways that people can get more connected and hope that it inspires people to take a next right step. Completely agree. Uh, you know, for me, I think many people are like, oh, I need to, you know, I, I there's a muffin shop that I frequent for, frequented forever and they've still been open through these times. And, you know, and going in there, the, the girls that work there, I've become close with them. They're like, you know, I need to figure out what to do with the rest of my life and do something that's more impactful and meaningful. And, and I, I love that, that inspiration from them. But the reality is, is like, it's now the time to do that. So I find myself encouraging them, like, what's one next step? Could you read a book that may inspire you? Could you take a quiz that may give you some more information? Like, I don't think now's the time to upend our whole lives, because systemically, that's kind of happening anyways. Right. Well, I don't think, uh, well, yes. And just, I mean, on the marketing front right away, like you, it takes eight to 12 times. I think it is before somebody responds to a call to action. So I think that's very a good example of just how we change very slow. Like we see opportunity or we see something we want or whatever, and you don't do it until it comes, becomes a little bit more familiar. And finally there's like that call of action, um, or you take it in. Yes. And in like the major life pivot, that doesn't make sense in general. You don't just, you know, start a car shop and you've never worked on cars your whole life. You have to go to school and get, you know, trade school or, or whatever the process is, but it's all these tiny steps that work in, you know, the direction of the, the larger goal. However, I, I mean, as a consultant, I, I tell my companies and influencers or what have you, personal brand, uh, branding individuals, we don't know what's next. Like I, I can sit here and, and tell you and make you feel good and tell you it's going to be okay and everything, but I don't know what's going to happen in the next two to three weeks. Look how different it was right. a few weeks ago. And we don't know right you know, what businesses are going to emerge, what opportunities are going to emerge, what, um, you know, is government going to shut us down further? Are we going to be, you know, let loose? We, I think, like you just said, it's time to just breathe for a second, do some self-care, get kind of in survival mode a little bit, but be ready to pivot and be flexible over the next right. month before we just swan dive into, you know, new career. I, I think you're absolutely correct. I, I think the thing that, that, you know, again, we probably shouldn't spend a lot of time talking about is I think that, whatever the new normal becomes is going to be different than what we've been used to. I don't think that um, things will go back to the way that they were. And I don't know that that's a bad thing necessarily. I was, I was listening to a, a podcast the other day with a, a really smart economist in the UK, and he had mentioned that over the next 10 years, that 800 million white collar jobs will be outsourced due to technology or go away due to technology. Mm -hmm. um, and that many workers 
Um, this, this situation we're currently all going through will really highlight and underscore for businesses that maybe they don't need expensive office buildings in expensive cities and that people can work from home. And that likely the shift will be for white collar jobs moving forward, that people will work on demand for multiple businesses. Um, which is a very different way of doing things. And again, I don't say any of this to scare people, but I think, um, you know, as we look at not only surviving this, but thriving out of this, which I hope is, is what we can inspire people to do, is really to look at the fact that we can utilize technology in a way to do things. The technology is there to do what we want to do and really to um, align ourselves to meet people where they are in a very different way. Um, you know, so much of the work that we do at the Connection Project, a lot of it is built around podcast of tribes. It's around these these connected resources. And I'll tell you, every bit of what we do is done online. It's delivered through technology. You know, we utilize um, digital marketing platforms and radio platforms and television platforms to deliver messages in a way that nobody has to leave their home. Like they're being served that from their mobile device. Um, right. You know, the way the way we connect is different. I don't think we're more connected yet. Um, I think we're on the advent of figuring that and a, 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 advent of figuring that out and and how we end up becoming more connected um, in a different way that feels satisfying and fulfilling. But um, I think it's a really exciting time if you're in this place to explore how do I look at this differently? Uh, right. And I realize not everybody's in that mindset right now. They're just trying to survive and keep food on the table and not lose their minds trying to homeschool their kids. But um, you know, not everything is bad right now. And I think that that's the message that, that you and I hopefully can really inspire in doing this kind of work. Yeah. Well, new and change is un is uncomfortable. And that is actually a really good pivot to get into it. We want to, but before we do that, you know, if you really pull back and you look at some of these, uh, share businesses, Lyft, Uber, I just did a podcast with flex share, which is a, um, flex gym share where you can like sell partial memberships of sell parts of your own membership to when you're traveling or what have you. But anyways, all these, you know, a, a thriving businesses that are of share or then as the working portion, you can work on demand or you can work when you want you right. to work on your Uber. And um, I think, and you see how our, our millennials behavior around not wanting to work nine to five in an office and blah, blah, blah. And then these younger businesses, not having this crazy overhead to have a retail space and just doing virtual offices. Like you see some of these pivots happening anyways. I think this is just a push that's really pushing all that in that direction. And on right. the flip side, it, you know, there's a lot of negative around, you know, technology and social media, but this has been, I mean, it's been phenomenal to have technology and social everything at this point in time. So I think it's really highlighted a positive side of what technology and social can be. And then we can pull back as humans and have more of our lives. And, you know, right. I, I, we're forced to slow down right now. And I know that's uncomfortable, but when you know you can kind of go walk your dog or, you know, sit and watch cartoons with your daughter at, you know, 12 p.m. in the afternoon, stuff you could never do before is is priceless. So yes, I'm I'm all here for the shakeup. It is hard. It's hard to evolve and it's certainly hard to evolve quickly. Um but I I'm don't know about you though. I mean I I we were talking about this earlier. I mean I feel surprisingly calm and peaceful. I'm not I'm not discounting yeah. the fact that the world feels like it's on fire, but um you know I think that this has been a really amazing time to the points you just made to pull back and get present. Yes. You know yeah. and I find if I stay present you know, because as you mentioned, you know, three weeks, a month ago, we were meeting in person, having this conversation and planning to do this podcast in person. Um, that's how quickly things are changing. So to try and assume forward, it's too unknown. Like yeah. today, what we know is you and I at one o'clock are jumping on this call and doing this work, whatever this becomes, um, like that to me feels like the essence of what's really important right now is just being able to stay present. Agree. Well, and that's something me, I personally, well, I'll ask you this. That's something I've been personally working on is just slowing down and be present because I'm someone that just thrives in the chaos and being busy and opportunity and say yes to everything. And we know that doesn't work, but that's been processed for me. Do you feel like you're more at calm and at peace because you have, you're, you're good with your own mental health and wellness and spirituality or however you label it? Like you've done the work. Do you feel like you're ahead of the game? I think that's a great question. And, and, and I absolutely think the answer is yes. I mean, unequivocally, it's yes. Um, but the reality is, is, you know, me, you know, I came to all of this work after I, I, I will call it a breakthrough now, but I mean, I had a breakdown. Yeah. Um, that's what really set me on the path for doing this work, which I think is what's made me a success at doing it. Um, but, but to be clear, I mean, and to, to what you just said, I did my work. But 
from doing that work, what has evolved in this many years since is I really have a pretty consistent commitment to doing what works for me. And during times like this, I have not really changed or adapted um, my routine. I mean, obviously many things have changed, but I have stayed commitment, you know, doing a meditation every day, ensuring that I get some exercise, trying to get sun on my head, you know, staying focused on things that I'm grateful for, um, reaching out to loved ones. Like, I mean, these are all good things that anybody should do. I don't, I don't think you have to have a mental health challenge or mental health history to learn to do those things. We all should be doing them for, you know, a, a greater impact on just leading a more fulfilling life. I completely agree. In particular, you know, I think we have our young people here in conversations like this, where I wish I would have started questioning that process, you know, years ago, I'm 39. Now I, I, if I would have been listening to this cast at like 15 and been like, Oh, what's meditation. Okay. Let's talk about, let's unpack that. Um, you know, you're just so far ahead of the game. And, and I firmly believe that anytime you have time, energy, or financial resource to invest in yourself, whether it's fitness or therapy or, whatever. It's, it's such a luxury. Um, so if there are people, you know, kind of wondering what to do and how to, to manage this, Jason, what would be some of your advice? Like what's a good step one getting into like, how, how do I become more present or how do I get more spiritually aligned or how, how would you label that? I I think step one starts with, with admitting that you want to learn something. Okay. You know, I think step two probably is picking one thing that you think you can do committedly and consistently. Um, that's the thing in leading support groups all of these years. I will say commitment and consistency are the most important part of doing anything well. So pick one thing. Don't pick five. You know, pick one thing and and say for the next seven days. I mean, we know typically it takes 21 days for something to become a habit, but like don't don't commit to 21 days, commit to seven days, commit to three days, something that you can commit to over the course of how many ever days, do it and show up to do it. Um, the beautiful thing is, is and you mentioned that sometimes financial resources are a part of doing this. Um, the one thing I will say in today's world you know, YouTube's a wonderful resource. There's phenomenal fitness programs on there. I saw that Peloton's giving away their program for like 90 days that you can get their app and access it for free right now. Um, Of course, you don't have to have the bike to access what they have. There's great mindfulness apps. Um, There are a lot of free or, or low cost resources, you know, pick your one thing and then figure out what's the best way to access it. I always say, start with YouTube. Yeah, I I think that's, I think that's such a huge um, free resource. I do, I would say I would add the caveat of like, do a little bit of research because there is some better than worse, but anything, honestly, I think is actually better than nothing because it'll just start the thought provoking process. I agree. And, and and I think, I think that where you start is not where you're going to end up. So to me, there are, there are no wrong paths. I mean, um, you know, I, I think doing research is prudent advice, but you know, if you pick something and it's not right for you, don't let that be an opportunity to quit doing it. Find something else to continue that commitment. Completely agree. And I'm always, I, I want to highlight and pull back a little bit a second and have you highlight more of your, your credibility and your ethos, because I absolutely cherish and champion my companies, my business, my humans that start their initiatives, whether it's businesses or services or speaking or whatever that come from deep heart space versus we saw margin in product and we founded a company right. around it. Um, can you share just a little bit about your background and, and your why? You don't have to go too deep into it, but your why and then you know some of your experience because you do have such a wealth of knowledge and such a huge heart. I think that's important for listeners to understand the full scope of where you're coming in at. Well, thank you. So, I mean, you know, to back up a step, I mentioned a minute ago, I had my breakthrough moment, which happened nearly 10 years ago now. Um, prior to that, I had a really big life in real estate. I had a big real estate career. Um, I've achieved huge success. Um, and, and I've been to the top of the mountain that, that many will never, will never go to, um, probably by choice and, and being smarter than I. Um, but I also have experienced great depths of despair in this life and, and going to the top of the mountain and then descending very quickly. Um, that, that journey was eye-opening. It, um, it changed everything. So um, getting to that, that more fulfilling heart-based work that I'm doing today really came from, you know, achieving what most people would see as the American dream exponentially and, and really losing that and, and, and deciding from that place of, um, you know, I'll be honest, not, not to go too deep into it, but, 
um, you know, there, there was a solid year that I wanted to die when my world came undone. And um, I know what that despair feels like to not want to live anymore. And, and, you know, by the grace of God, I had this mustard seed of hope that, that kept me going. Um, and, and I, I, my prayer was, is God, if I make it out of this, like, let me use my voice to help the voiceless. Um, and that's really where this started. And, and I had the luxury of being able to um, begin and recover um, in a way that worked for me. I had, you know, a great healthcare team. I had great, you know, psychiatrists, psychologists, et cetera. But I mean, I don't, I don't want to make this about a com- this part of a conversation about privilege, even though there was some privileged part of it. Sure. The reality is I did the work. Sure. I showed up in the darkest times and continued to do the work when I frankly didn't want to go on. I mean, people have asked me, what do you think saved your life? And I'll be honest with you, baths and walks. I mean, as, as stupid as that sounds, I mean, there was a solid year that like those were my activities every day. Um, and, and that's, that's how I got through. And, and I realize not everybody has a luxury to spend a year taking baths and walks, although I highly recommend fitting it in regardless. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I think, I think that this day of us assuming that, um, getting what we want in life and that it's going to come easy. I think a lot of us have, have become accustomed to things being easier than they should be. I, I think the stuff that is, is built to last is really easy. Um, and does does take a fair bit of work. I, I will say, though, that when you start that, you will start to recognize if it is aligned for you and you if you are on your path to living an authentic life. Um, and that revealed itself pretty quickly in doing this work and and frankly, has just built on itself over the last ten years. and um, i'm I'm really grateful. You know, I don't have a lot of regrets about what happened, and there were some really bad things that happened. Um, I wish some of it was different, but the reality is it's it all led me here. Yeah. Um, and I think from that place, I feel a responsibility to show up and help other people in a way that I don't know that I would if my life hadn't changed so catastrophically. Yeah. And that's, and that's a really deep statement um, to look back and see things that, you know, just rip your heart out and, and rip your life apart and then, you know, be able to find some glory in some of it and just come, sh- come back and show up and then, you know, provide impact for future generations is, yeah. I mean, that's power at its finest in, in my opinion. And I think it's just such uh, an amazing standing point to, you know, be at the top of the mountain or whatever and be able to look back, appreciate something and then take those experiences and really push it forward for the greater good. I, I just don't think there's really anything better than that. And if we can all be even half of <laughs> as useful as a human with that mindset, I think the world would be just a completely different place. So yeah, hoping- but I, I want to be clear. I, I don't think that everybody is meant to show up and do the work that you and I are doing. Like, I, I, don't think, I don't think that's a requirement. I don't think it's necessary, but I, I would like to just instill that mustard seed of hope that like, if there's something that you can do in your own life that you think would make your quality of life better or those around you's quality of life better, like start there. Like you don't have to be focused on doing this, you know, this global type work that I want to do or, or the work that you're doing. I mean, um, you know, I think sometimes people get lost in the bigness of people like you trying to, you and I trying to inspire them and they think, oh, I could never do that or I can't do this. Like, I'm not suggesting that you should. I'm just suggesting start where you are with what you have. Yeah. The reality is we can all take one next step. Like that's the reality. I agree. I'm, I'm a team sports human at heart. And so I think right. you need to build your team. And, you know, if one person's offense and one person's a defense and one's the ref and one's this, you know, maybe one person's doing the podcast, one person's managing the cooking and the fueling, you need your different people. And I don't think, you know, any one job is more important than the other. It's, it's the, the, the key is finding what works specifically for you. And then there's no gold stars in my opinion, more for one than the other. It's just building that team and keeping those good humans around you. So you can be your best self for your given skill set, and they can be there. You can, you know, supplement them for their best skill set. And, um, really kind of getting back to that working together. Cause I'll, I'll never have the experience that in knowledge and background that you have and vice versa with me and anyone else we, we work alongside. And that's where I think it's so amazing. You can lean into these professionals and these YouTubers and yoga professionals and people that it, I could study for the rest of my life and I would never bring to the table what they do. Um, but that's the beauty and connection and why we can find our best selves on for, for us, number one, and then for the, for the greater good in our community. So we can all supplement each other's lives. We don't have to do it all. And it doesn't all have to be on, you know, on YouTube or on a big scale. Um, 
Well, and then recognizing to your point that every person in the team matters. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I, I think to really kind of to pull the thread through of that point, I mean, the biggest part of of teamwork is showing up. Yes. You know, um, and even if you don't have a team assembled, I mean, you can recognize people in your own life that can add value. You know, I think you and I talked about this when we met. I am fortunate enough, and I know you are too, that I get to meet the coolest people from all walks of life, like every day. And I'm constantly like, well, how can I have this tribe of people that do this really cool connected work, even though the fit doesn't necessarily seem obvious? Um, I I think that that recognizing that and being able to see and learn from that has been kind of game changing because what opens up from that space is you do start seeing that there are intersections for people that do this work. And maybe the work right now is just having these conversations. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think, you know, even as intentional and as planned as I think we are, I, I in the back of both our minds, I think we know that it's really just about like keeping faith, like keeping with the connections, being gracious and appreciative and just trying to stay on that trend setting tip of what is next? How do I stay up with it? How do I be flexible and, and change and grow with it? Um, because from my personal stance, it's like, I do feel like I've been privileged. I've been blessed with so many things and not without hard work and strife and breakdown and all the fun stuff. Uh, it, but I do feel a, a, a responsibility to give back because I can, because I have been things and I still have a long way to go and a lot to learn. Sure. But th- so many pieces of the puzzle, I think can be useful to somebody else's journey. And if, by all means, if I can streamline your process, <laughs> take with it, take with it and run and probably pack a helmet, but use all of it. Um, I only make it sound easy, by the way. I want to, I want to clarify that. I, I, t- I say that often, like I can make a lot of this sound easier than it is, but the reality is it's called work because it's work. Oh, yeah. you know, um, but it's, it's, it's not, it's not a race, um, you know, and that's why I really try to just make it bite-sized and just next right step. Yeah. You know, when we get overwhelmed 50 steps ahead of us, it's hard for us to focus on the next right step. And I think that, that now more than ever, I feel like the last five years I've been preparing um, I, I often say it took me 40 years to figure out how to be present. Um, and, and now that I figured it out, I feel like we are really a, I, I feel like I'm a living testament of trying to, to live in this present moment. Um, that to me is one of the greatest gifts of doing the work. Um, albeit incredibly hard, but, um, it's certainly doable. Oh, well, and again, if, if, you know, I think all things happen in due time, even when we try and, and you do the work and you show up, but I just, I do think there's a natural process to things. Um, but it's so cool again, to know that young humans can be hearing this conversation so much earlier, at least have this mustard seed planted so much earlier, uh, that may, perhaps they can begin their journey early. And then at, you know, 20, they were looking back and be like, at present, I get it. Like I'm here, I'm shifted my life accordingly. Um, do you think just as a, um, a question here, as a marketing and branding professional, I take a lot of responsibility about the messages, particular young people um, that are consuming on the daily coming from companies, podcasts, commercials, what have you, influencers. Do you think this go, 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 do more? Do you think it's American culture, Western culture? Do you think it's TV and uh, digital and marketing influence? Or do you think it's a combination of things? Where do you think where we get our ideas of reality from? You know, I think I think it's it's a combination, but I want to talk about you brought up the word reality just there at the last. I want to talk about the reality of life today. I think the thing and and you you do work in digital marketing, I do digital work, marketing work. Um, reality is a tricky thing in today's world because you realize each of us is being targeted by the places we go, the things we search for, our browsing preferences, um, the the things we engage in. So I think that there is this this alternate reality, and I, and I don't want to go into a fake news thing here, but we're all being served our version of reality based on who we are, where we go, what we do, um, the things we look for. And I think even though you and I may have very similar lives on the surface, all of those other things play a factor in what's being delivered to us. So from a marketing perspective, in answer to your question, I think there's a real um, there's a real obligation by companies to really look at what are the messages they're serving and how are they meeting people from this place of our own reality mm-hmm. um, to do that in a really thoughtful um, and, and um, precise way that um, 
that connects people and doesn't tear people further apart because I think we've gotten really polarized in a lot of our views. Do you think companies uh, will do that though? You know, I don't know. I, th- I think really we're all adapting to this new normal and I don't mean the new normal of COVID-19. I mean the new normal of, you know, we're, we're adapting to being delivered messages 24 seven in a way that, that 10, 15 years ago, we didn't do. And that just keeps getting more and more and more sophisticated. So, you know, if I run a campaign for a client, I may build, you know, five digital ad sets to deliver the same promotion to five different sets of demographics. That's essentially the same deal, but it's nuanced to meet people where they are from, from that demographic set. So we have the ability to do that. Like, I don't know why we wouldn't. And I will say that in doing those nuanced campaigns, I've had huge success doing it and delivering it that way. Um, I hope companies are being responsible about that opportunity. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, what do you think? I, I think both sides. I, I'm I'm very big in empowering um, the consumer, if you will, or just the general public, because I believe in this. Is why I have so much faith in our young humans because they've been exposed to this from day one, and so they have this filter of authenticity way earlier than most of everybody over thirty does. You know, because they literally grew up with social media and these messages being consumed in their face, and then now with even simple things like the Great Hack, uh, the documentary on Netflix that exposes you so know good. some of this. Yeah, yeah, digital manipulation. That's you know influencer marketing and all that. Is as far as consumer packaged goods and products, that's child's play compared to how they're pinning, you know, societies against each other or, or you know, um, impacting an election. Like it's, it's an absolute worthwhile watch if you haven't watched it yet. But even knowing that kind of information is out for our young people to digest and then act accordingly and filter their lives either digitally or literally uh, in person, I think is, is very powerful. So the whole point of, you know, tumor Cantilla, this podcast is to gracefully disrupt what's going on. And it's not, it's honestly not even to call out the bad. Like I see a lot of BS in the influencer world and, you know, again, millennials see through it too. The point is to bring out companies and humans like yourself that are my varsity humans are my varsity companies that are doing it the right way. They may or may not even be seeking, you know, influencers or status or likes or whatever, but they have a worthwhile journey and experience that needs to be shared that I think our young humans and or old, anyone that's seeking will find these answers. Like I have deep faith that the messages that, and this is where I take my responsibility that I put out there and I accumulate for this podcast or whatever, um, will find the right humans and somehow they will digest it meaningful to them. And that's like my point of impact. So I, yes, is the short answer. I do think companies are out there, not all of them. I think that's a new conversation and, you know, old school, big, but it's a new world. Like, like the way we're connecting is new. Yes. But you have OG CEOs and old money and they have their partners in the marketing world and they do their way, certain things, uh, their things a certain way. Uh, I've gone to meetings where it's, you know, six figure conversations. And I promise you, it sounds like they Googled influencer marketing on the way to the meeting and (laughs) they're explaining it to me. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is, this is not, and usually they're over 40 and and there's no judgment on any side of this. I'm just literally telling you facts. It's, it's a disconnected human that still holds a lot of the the chips and the more money, I mean, more money, more power. Like you have, you can have small company that does it right. And they've got $2,000 to market. You can have uh, you make a or, huge impact for $2,000 yeah. in today's world. Well, that's true. But you've got, you know, cores or who all, then I don't know if they're doing it right or wrong, but they've got multi-million dollar marketing budget. So it's, right. it's still, we're still at that disruptive point where I think it's evolving. So yes, I do think there are responsible companies out there. Do I think well, there's you, a lot that aren't? Yes. And I think that's when the consumers, us audience, we need to take power of ourselves. I, I think you're spot on. So, I mean, I do a lot of work with teens. I have a podcast called Teen Talk. Um, and it's done through a local media company here. We've had huge success with that. And Teen Talk was started um, really in the wake of a bunch of youth suicide that we had in Colorado. Frankly, um, I thought we had an obligation to um, give teens a place to share their voice. Um, so when I take on a tribe for any of the work we do in the Connection Project, I always want to sit down with that tribe first. And we do a roundtable discussion because um, I feel like my responsibility is to really highlight and share what are the things you're struggling with and that you would like to talk about. And I will tell you, overwhelmingly, Christian. It is It is never depression. It is never anxiety. It is never substance use and abuse disorders. It's fear of failure. It's perfectionism. Yeah. It's competition. It's clicks. It's bullying. It's all of these things that we know systemically are at a, at a higher arc that result in all of the, the more catastrophic things that we're, we're talking about. So that's the conversations that I'm focused on having. I will say, in having never worked with youth prior to starting Teen Talk, which has been going about a year now, um, we've had huge success with it. Um, I am 
so inspired by youth today in a way. Um, I think they're going to change how we talk about mental health. I think they're going to change the way we talk about a lot of things. I think that they are the new disruptors. Yeah. But I think I think the context of that is um, there's a couple of things. One, um, I think that as older adults who have adapted into technology, we're at a disadvantage from the beginning because they've had it forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you look at why youth seem so much more educated or smarter today. I mean, think about it. You know, when we were growing up, if we wanted to learn something, you either hoped you had a smart parent or teacher, or you went to the library to look it up. Like it wasn't, it wasn't just something that you could pick up your phone at age five and Google and get an answer. I think that's a really powerful enabling tool that we've given um, youth today. And I think that's showing up in how they show up. But what I will say that the negative sides of it are, we have empowered kids with information that they often have no context for. Um, they don't really understand the full picture of what this means in a broader context. And I think from a parental perspective, it has also instilled a lot of fear in parents. And I see this a lot because in Teen Talk, we try to take a topic and we share the teen perspective. And then we share the same perspective with adults and parents to really tell the whole picture. Because often in these conversations, we don't share the whole picture. And what I have observed in working with parents of teens is they're afraid. Now, that may look like, you know, a a need for perfectionism or where you're going to college or what are your grades like. I don't think that that's systemically changed a whole lot. Um, but, But I think the impetus to do that in this faster world is different. And I think parents either are too involved or not enough involved. And then there's obviously all the people in the middle um, and not a criticism of any but from those extreme places, um, we see a lot of catastrophic outcomes in our teens. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm often asked, why are teens today so fragile? And I don't have the answer to it. I do think um, technology plays a major role in it. Um, but I will say that there is a, an apparent lack of resiliency among a lot of youth today. Um, I think that they... Um, uh, through the benefit of technology, have been burdened with a lot of information far more prematurely than their brain has developed, yeah. um, which has made them empowered to talk about things eloquently and, and almost expertly in many cases. Um, but I think in many respects, we've done them a disservice. Um, and I think that disservice has resulted in a lot of, a lot of negative outcomes. Um, and again, it's not all negative. There are many good things. I don't want to vilify anybody in this um, in this this conversation, but um, I, I do think that there are factors that are far greater than um, than just having the conversation around how our teens going to lead lead the next movement. Right. Um, I what, think as as adults, there's a responsibility for us to help lead that way too. Completely agree, and I, I think I empathize with parents because it is such new territory, and it, it's a wealth of information, and then you're so used to just. A, instantaneously having an answer to something. And then you're not, like you just said, not briefed with any background or context to where that's coming in. I mean, there's just so much. So in with the good comes the bad and it's really hard to filter out and screen what's, what's good for you. And it kind of brings you back to like, the more we can empower the audience, the consumer, the parents, what have you, maybe just to question some of these better ways. And, you know, if my kid's having this conversation, where do I seek out consultation about how to have the right conversation with my kid. Um, I think, you know, even like what you guys are doing with all your different casts are really critical. So parents know how to talk to their kids or what are, what's the next step? Cause this is, I mean, it's literally uncharted territory. That's such a great question. And I will tell you, I mean, in, in, in talking to kids, kids will tell you what, what, what you want to know. Like you'll ask them the right way. Now I understand I, I come at it from a different place being seen as this expert that's giving them a cool opportunity to do a podcast. Which is different than um, being their parent, but I mean, I've really not been able to, or not not been unable to talk to a teen about anything I wanted to talk about. And I mean, we we from this high level place of talking about the topics we identified, we ultimately always end up in the weeds around the things that are really happening. Um, but what really comes back, and the question I always ask in my podcast with teens is, what do you want parents or the adults in your lives to know? And ultimately, I'll always comes back to talk to me. You know, these kids really seem to value these moments of connection. And again, I don't want to vilify any parents, but as adults, and I'm not even parents, as adults, we're all equally disconnected and addicted to technology. Like, and I think before we can have a salient conversation with our kids, we have to own the fact that that maybe we're far more committed to 
you know, being buried in our phone or our device than, than we want to. So to, to level the conversation, we got to own our role. Um, you know, but, but kids overwhelmingly, they, they want their parents to be engaged. Now I'm not saying they want them to know everything, <laughs> but I think there are a lot of things parents are wishing they knew that yeah. if we could guide and give them better tools, which we're trying to do through teen talk to talk to their teens. I think we can have a lot more conversation, you know, um, technology has given us so many gifts, but one of the things that I think it has robbed us of is, is this opportunity to connect there. We're doing this face to face, technologically speaking, but we're doing mm-hmm. it face to face. I mean, had we had this conversation without the video that nobody's going to see on, um, would it have had the same effect? I don't know. Like, yeah. There I, is I, well, no replacement for that. That's why I'm strategic. And I really, I tried to do every single cast in person. And obviously, you know, CV-19 is what it is. So we'll, we'll adapt. Right. But um, it's meaningful to me to have as much in person as possible. Because I th- I think it changes the energy of the cast. And maybe not even well, better. No replacement. Right, right. It, it's But, you know, there's something that's nice about even digitally connected. I don't know. It just, the energy is just different. And I, I don't think any are better or worse. You kind of just appreciate whatever it is that you have opportunity right, yeah. at. Um. But going back to the parents, um, you, you know, the upside of even right now with CV-19 is, you know, to hear that our kiddos want to connect and want to talk. Well, now you're, you're in your house. You're forced you're to. Trapped. There's Yeah. And unless you got, you know, 5,000 plus square feet, you're going to be seeing each other a lot. Um, and hopefully that's a positive. I do think that's probably an adjustment period because that's a, a lot of FaceTime. But you know, as adults, we do get so addicted to daily routine and nothing can be outside of the norm. And I've got five minutes to drop you off to school. I need to get out. I got to jump on a call. And then I got a meeting. I got 30 minutes to eat. And then I got ballet and piano and I got to work out. And it just goes nonstop. And then you wake up and your kid's 15 and, you know, it all moves so fast. So I, I do think this massive disruptive point of shutdown everything is, it's insane, but holy cow, like this is, I think this is probably the biggest point of disruption that wasn't just personal for me that I've ever experienced in my life. I didn't even know this was possible. Like I didn't know America could shut down. Like New York could sleep. Is this a thing? Um, it's insane. So I don't know. I, I just think this is such a massive opportunity if we can pull back and see the positive of, okay, let's have, let's talk to mom, dad, son, daughter, grandma, and let's just slow down and have a conversation. What can we do right now? We can talk, we can communicate. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's really big. And you can certainly check out all of, uh, Jason's podcast if you need some consultation in these arenas, which we're going to start working. We're going to start podcasting again tomorrow with teens and parents. So, okay. um, And and the topics are going to be around living through this situation. You know, we've got seniors that are graduating that aren't going to have prom that they look forward to. They're not potentially going to have a graduation or a delayed graduation. I mean, you know, just think about all of the things that, that, that kids look forward to that the plug's been pulled on. Um, you know, and they've wanted to escape their home lives as, as much as anybody. And now that they can't, like, I, I have to believe there are going to be some really great conversations to be had about this. But, um, you know, I, I think that, uh, like you were just saying, I mean, there are a lot of upsides to this if you want to see them as upsides. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not discounting the fact that there are many things that suck right now. Oh, sure. Um, you know, people have asked me what, what's a word you would do, use to describe this time. And I, the only word I know to accurately describe what we're all going through collectively is uncertain. Yeah. You know, I don't think it's good or bad. It's just uncertain. You know, we will get through this. We, we will, we will thrive again as a nation, but not today. Right. And I I think that, that people that are wearing themselves out about it today, and I don't want to discount the struggles that people are going through because there are many struggles to be found right now. But um, I think what's different about this than other struggles is we're all in this. Yeah. You know, you know, having money and having a nicer house and maybe ensuring that your bills are paid, that does change things. But the reality is, is none of us are immune from, you know, something that could be fairly catastrophic for any one of us, given the right circumstances. I mean, that's, that's unheard of. Absolutely. Um, I I agree. And I kind of want to just kick back really quick just to reality and, and embracing that term. Uh, one of my favorite things, again, as a marketing professional is leaning back into like our OG philosophers and, and really understanding that reality is nothing more than applied meaning. You know, we call this table 
table because that's what we've learned. And, and now then you kind of get into other, okay, well, what are societal points that have really been spoon fed to us as, as signs of importance, prom football games. And I'm not saying they're not important and it's not tragic that some kiddos don't get to experience that. I think it is, I do think it's a big deal and it's a big part of our culture and, you know, important milestones and memories for us. And if we can open up our minds to, you know, that's been a created reality. There are, well, it's an entitlement we've all become used to privilege. Yes. And it's, yeah. it's, and, and again, I still wish that for anyone that wants it and any of those things, but is it, I, I encourage people to pull back and be like, is this really important? Do, are there other opportunities that can come from this that are equally as important? Maybe society doesn't view it as a major milestone or a big point or something, but it's meaningful to you. Maybe it's that, that one dinner where everybody happened to be home. You missed graduation, but everybody was at home eating dinner and brother hasn't been home in 16 years or mom and dad are divorced or I don't know. There's these, I just encourage people to embrace some of these other moments and milestones that we might not collectively mark as significant, but they're significant to you. And that in itself, I think makes a transition into our new reality a little bit easier. I, I so agree. I mean, I just, I, I mean, I think there are many upsides to what we're going through in spite of, and not discounting any of the negatives. There are, yeah. there, there are many nuggets of beauty to be found in this situation if you're looking for them. I completely agree. And I, I want to jump to it. It's really important on turmeric and tequila. I mean, we, we thrive it. We swim in the, the pool of juxtaposition, obviously. Uh, when Jason and I sat down, he were talking about white privilege and he's like, well, you know, there's benefits to white privilege. And I was like, Oh, you know, minor soul cringe. Okay. Let's, uh, let's unpack that for a second. So I, I want to take a shift maybe onto like a little bit of lighter tone, but I want to conversate just for a minute around this, because I do think it's so critical that we present all sides of everything and any, one human can feel any which way they want, but I want to present all sides of the conversation. So when we were talking about that, um, well, let's go here. Jason, how did, when you say there's upside to white privilege, when did that conversation first kind of come out and start to come from you? So, you know, I come from a pretty philanthropic family. Um, I have a mother who's a, a huge giver, altruistic, always does her part. Um, and I was raised in that environment. And I, and I think there's a responsibility to much who's given much is, is, is um, expected. Um, so I feel like um, as people who potentially have more, have the ability to create something that others may not, I think there is, again, I keep using this word responsibility. I think there is a responsibility to do more. Um, you know, starting with doing more for yourself, of course, um, but then what can you do for um, people in your tribe or in your community that you may have an opportunity to help that you normally wouldn't look? I mean, like, um, I don't want to assume that I understand what a single mother that works three jobs trying to put t- food on the table for her kids in an inner city living environment is like, I don't, I don't know what that's like. I, I, um, you know, not good or bad. I just don't understand it. I, um, I think from this place of privilege, we have a responsibility and I don't think that should be a place of arrogance. It's just, um, there's a real opportunity for us to help other people. And, um, you know, I certainly try to do my part, but, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to assume I understand what anybody's struggles like, because if I haven't walked in their shoes, I don't know. Um, but I, but I will say, you know, in, in my, my own undoing and my own time of struggle, it didn't matter what I had or the resources that were available to me. I didn't know how to get connected. Yeah. Like I didn't know. And, and that was what, what a lot of this is built upon, um, is me having to figure out from my own ground zero. And that's different for everybody. How, how do I get connected? Um, when I literally can't get out of bed, um, you know, so I think I think there are if if we take privilege out of the conversation and just look at ourselves as humans, everyone struggles with something. Yeah. Um, and I think that those that are further down the path or may have a different kind of enlightenment from whatever place they come from, privileged or not, I think there's a responsibility. If you know better, you do better. Yeah. I think that's really well said in some dot. Um and God, the joy if you if you are privileged and then you have the privilege to be able to give back and, and see some piece of your impact uh, positively impact or connect with someone else is, uh, I mean, it's just the most amazing uh, gift you can receive and, and piece of inspiration, right. I think, for you to want to do more and do all that you can. Right. Um, you like did I was talk- watching something today about, you know, how many attacks there have been on Asian Americans for over the coronavirus. And I just, it's heartbreaking to me to think that we are a society that is so fueled by fear that we would physically harm somebody else that we don't know. Like, I mean, we don't, we don't know what they're going through and they're certainly not to blame. 
Um, I just, I think, I think in critical times like this, we all, um, maybe our default is to look for somebody or something to blame. And the reality is, is blaming changes nothing. You oh, know, totally. We're, we're all in this together and your skin color or the amount of money that you have or whatever, you know, if you have more, do more. Like, that's how I feel about it, period. Regardless of your skin, regardless of, you know, your neighborhood, what you do, who you are, if you have more, do more, you yeah. know, do, do more with what you've got where you are. And I think that applies to everybody universally. I agree. And I also would say limit your exposure to news. And perhaps I'm a, you know, naive optimist. But I think there's so much more good happening right now than bad. And I know the news tends to highlight, you know, the one girl punching someone else over toilet paper, and what have you. But for every one of those, I think there's 10 people that said, you know, what, here, take the toilet paper, I'll use Chipotle napkins or whatever. And there's people giving back and um, neighbors taking care of each other. I was walking my dog the other day. And I saw two younger people walking up to one of my neighbor's house, and they were bringing um, my neighbor groceries. And uh, I, I don't know, I, I'd say just feel the amount of news you're consuming what what someone like news to me is like someone's creating the reality you're about to drink in so just know that that's not your vision of things that's someone else's vision and version of the truth that you're about to consume and it might be factual it might not but just know that there's gray area there and right. kind of see the world through your own eyes and, and make your judgments through there um because I, I think, think there's one word that summarizes that really well in, in times like this and i think that's grace i mean yeah. i think when we see these um these really phenomenal um, or sensational things on the news about things that are happening or things that other people are doing to other people. You know, I always want to temper that with, you know, a, a message of grace and like, we don't know what they're going through. And it obviously must be something pretty bad that, you know, if you need to hoard toilet paper so nobody else can buy any, um, you know, you obviously know something that I don't. But um, I, I think that, that, that this is a really good time for us to give people a pass of grace. And again, I'm not excusing bad behavior um, because it's certainly not acceptable in any circumstances, especially these. But, um, you know, I think that there's always more than what we see. I mean, as we've talked about reality multiple times in this conversation, um, you know, you don't know what somebody else's reality is like or what they're going through. And, and legitimately, um, I think people are far more heightened through fear right now than other times. And I think in that place, people do things that they might not normally do. Now, certainly there are bad people. Yeah. Um, but but there are some people that that do unexplainable things that maybe just need a passive grace. Yes, I very well said. Um, I, I, I think the the key point, obviously, is grace. And then just pulling back to I, I, take care of yourself, lean back in, work on that presence, uh, be mentally aware, lean into any responsibility point that you can give back on and, and make yourself useful in these times, whether you can monetize it or not. And just be ready for a brighter day, even though that sounds so cliche, uh, just clinging to the hope that it will get better. And maybe like you said, not all right this second, but every day, just like building a good habit, it's, it's on its way. And even more simply, if you're willing, take the next right step. Yeah. And you determine what that is. Yeah. You know, yeah. the next right step. There are no wrong paths. I think that that's the thing that people assume they go down a path um, and it's going to lead them somewhere they want to don't want to go. And it certainly may do that. But at the end of the day, I think we all end up where we're supposed to be. And that starts with the next right step. Completely agree. That comes up on these casts all the time because I have such yeah. uh, strong type A humans where we're so intentional about, here's my goals. I'm going to get my degree. Here's what's going on. And then universe. And we're like, all sitting at home. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then you pivot. <laughs> But then you, you, you have time to reflect and you look back and you're like, oh, thank goodness that happened because I was going down the way wrong path and I would have kept going full steam ahead because I was so busy and driven that had I not gotten kicked in the head, I went to pivoted, you know? Right, um, right. But all right, well, I'm going to be mindful of our time. We're in an hour right now. But uh, Jason, tell us, there's so much more I want to unpack around mental health and wellness in the podcast. Well, let's do it. We can fathers. do it again. Um, yeah, let's check back in. But just for right now, we'll... we'll um, We'll keep it right here because I want people to seek out your cast, your conversations. I can't say enough good things about Jason and all these in-depth conversations he's exploring with really credible, authentic humans that are in the mix of things. And it's coming from really authentic space, whether it's first responders or mental health. Uh, these guys really have a wealth of knowledge and experience. So this is a, a group that you want to have on your side and as a part of your team if you need resource. So Jason, tell us, where do we find you? Where do we find the Connection Project? All of it. Perfect. So uh, my website is realpeoplereallife.org, all spelled out. Um, if you want to email me directly, I'm Jason at realpeoplereallife.org. Um, you can find any of my podcast or content on our website um, for the Connection Project, which is, again, realpeoplereallife.org. Um, or you can also find it on any of the Bonneville media platforms, which is Cozy 101, KYGO, or 98.5. Um, I'm sorry, Cozy. 
Cozy 101.1, KYGO 98.5, or 104.3 The Fan. Yes. Um, you can find it on any of Bonneville's websites um, under the Strengthening Families tab. Um, we have Teen Talk, Everyday Brave, The Man Map, etc. cetera. Um, I encourage you to check us out. And then we're on any of the podcast streaming services, Spotify, Apple, Podcast, Stitcher, etc. cetera. So um, sorry, I blundered that for a second there. No, go, to my, go, go to my website. Yeah, I'll, well, I'll post all this, but sometimes people are in the car, they're listening. I always like people to say it just in case. Um, but it's just such a phenomenal resource and a wealth of information. So thank you. it's, yes, it's a great, and I so appreciate what you're doing. And again, just Likewise. to champion, thank you, uh, that it comes from, from such heart space. And when we talked about uh, companies that are doing it the right way and trying to make the world a better place, um, I, I like to put us in, the, in that category. <laughs> and we can back one another versus us just saying it ourselves. Amen, sister. Yes. Thank you for doing what you do and shining a light. I appreciate your uh, time today. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, we'll wrap again soon. Let's maybe catch up in, I don't know, six months, maybe a month if everything changes crazy or if you've got something new coming out from one small business to another. If, if thing, new things are coming out, please keep me posted. I'm happy to post, share, tag, get the word out, whatever. Absolutely. And likewise. Okay. We'll chat soon. Thank you so much, Thanks, Jason. Kristen. Stay safe. Thank you for joining Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Tune in next time and don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.